All right, let's just get right into the Word. Amen? Amen. This is really loud. Okay, let's get right into the Word. Raise your hand if you do not have a Bible. Dane will get you one. Jason will get you one. Raise your hand nice and high. I love that. Look at all these people with their Bibles, except for Sam Shewitt. I see you. (laughs) This is a small group I can see. (laughs) Bring your Bibles or Zach will condemn you from the pulpit. Okay. Hey, we're going through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ in chronological order. That means we're not skipping things. We're just going through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we're in Mark. Sometimes we're in Luke. Sometimes we're in Matthew. We are all over the place in this series. I'm blessed by this series, and I don't want to skip. Uh, I, I don't want to waste any time just yapping in my mouth. So let's just get right into the Word, and let's see what God has for us tonight. Amen. Mark chapter 3, verse 7. And if you would, stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Mark chapter 3, verse 7. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and beyond the Jordan, and those from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they had heard how many things he was doing, came to him. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him. For he healed many, so that, there, uh, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. And this is where we're going to get into the the meat of this message tonight, which is in verse 13. And he went up onto the mountain and he called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that they might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bowen, (laughs) that is Sons of Thunder. That's like a metal name. That's like a heavy metal band name. Don't you think? That's like, you see the cover right there, Sons of Thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And they went into a house. A fun little detail after that. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we love your word, God. I pray that you would refresh these people tonight. God, I pray that chains would be broken and people would be liberated God, as they realize the tremendous and amazing calling that you have on their lives. We love you, Jesus, and it is in your holy and undeniable name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. Relax. Take a load off. Okay, so, so, so here, here's what's happening. In the, in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. We, we've been learning that, that Jesus for the past couple weeks has really been contending with the Pharisees. Jesus has really been combating this mindset of legalism where, where more rules make you more holy. Okay, so we know that Jesus, God established rules rather in his law. And then the Pharisees, they took all of these rules and they said, wow, God's law, God's rules are holy. Therefore, if we make more rules, we will be more holy. But, but they totally missed the concept here that, that the rules and the law was holy because God is holy. 
and not because the rules in and of themselves are holy. So, so what the Pharisees did to, to increase their own holiness and, and to further their own righteousness, they had created an, uh, volumes and volumes of laws, thus shackling people and, and keeping them from really worshiping God. And, and we find out last week, what makes Jesus most angry is not the prostitute. It's not the sexually immoral. Jesus ministered to those people. He loved on those people. The people that Jesus was mad at were the people who told those sinners that they couldn't be with God. That's what infuriated Jesus the most. And, and, and so now we, we see that the, that the popularity is shifting from all of these religious leaders to Jesus. And, and, and it's so much so that people from all nations all around are, are crowding towards Jesus because there's a spiritual thirst in the nation. There's this, there's this extreme want just to be satisfied by what Jesus has. They are hurting. They are oppressed. And we learned last week that that's where Jesus' heart is for, the oppressed and the hurting. Many times we get mad because, like, why doesn't Jesus pay attention to me? You know, I do so much for him. And Jesus is like, well, well you're doing these things for, for the least of these. And, and that's where my heart is. You expect all this credit and you expect all this glory, but, but really I, I want to minister to the person with the withered hand, the person with the leper. Those are the people I want. Those are the people that we need to be pursuing. And, and, and so there's this great multitude coming to Jesus because there's a spiritual thirst in the land. There's, a, there's this need to be redeemed by what Jesus has to offer. And, and we have here that, that meanwhile, you know, the, the Pharisees are plotting to kill Jesus. And, 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 and meanwhile, you know, there's these things happening where all the religious leaders are plotting to kill Jesus. And there's so many people coming to Jesus that they might kill him just because of the sheer numbers. Okay. And there's so many sick people trying to come to Jesus that he calls his disciples and he says, get me a boat because these people are about to like crush me because they just, they want to touch Christ. Uh, they just want to touch him. They just want to, they just want to soak in his presence in, in any way possible. They're desperate for him. There's this desperate spiritual thirst that Jesus can only satisfy. But Jesus is looking and foreseeing because, you know, Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is all-knowing. Jesus is God. He, he, he's looking at the religious leaders that are plotting to kill him, and he's also knowing that, that, that God has set up a specific time where he's going to be crucified for all mankind, and then he's going to ascend into heaven and prepare a place for those uh, that he loves. And we have, Jesus is now contemplate, who am I going to choose? Who, who are going to be my disciples? Who are the people I'm going to call to further the kingdom of God? Who are, gonna people, who are the people that I'm going to give my spirit to? Someone I esteem higher than myself. I'm going to be giving him to them. Who do I choose? What, what amazing men does God have in plan? for the biggest movement in all of human history. Twelve men. We're going to be learning about those twelve men. But we, we, we learn first, before these men are chosen, that Jesus prays. We see that in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out into the mountains to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. So, so in Luke's gospel, uh, God, Luke articulates the, the fact that, that Jesus prayed all night before choosing his disciples. He didn't just like, uh, Simon, Judas, James, John. You know, he, he didn't choose them at random. 
Okay, because we have to know something that he wasn't just choosing any guys. He, and he wasn't just calling them to follow him. He was calling them to die. These men are going to be martyred, right? I mean, it's one thing to ask somebody to help you move, you know, your house. And then it's another thing to ask somebody to die, <laughs> be boiled alive. And so, so Jesus spends all night in prayer. I, I think he already knew he was, who he was going to choose, but probably praying for them and for their sanity. Because we're, we're going to learn about these guys, and we're going to learn about w- what type of men they were, and, and they need prayer, man. I, I'm, I'm almost tempted to pray for them now, knowing that God you know, lives outside of time. Lord, please help Peter right now. You know, like, because like, these disciples, they had a hard time, man. They, you know, they were a bunch of goobers that God chose. And that should be encouraging to us, and we're going to learn about that. But we learn what, what Jesus called his disciples to be, because there's a difference between disciples and apostles, and he's calling the apostles here. The disciples is just someone who learns from and gleans from and follows Jesus, right? And so Jesus had many disciples, specifically 70 disciples that, that followed him and did his work, and, and he would send out. But then he had 12 apostles, and 12 apostles were called once, sent with a specific purpose, sent once, the apostles. And, and, and essentially, it says right here, then Jesus appointed the 12 that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach and to have their power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. And so there are essentially two functions that these apostles are meant to serve. There's, there's two callings that, 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 that Jesus is asking them to, to, to have. Okay, And so we, we tend to skew one way or the other. But, but there's essentially two functions that an apostle or any follower of Christ these days needs to serve. We have functions as disciples. Okay, We have a purpose, guys. We, you know, you know that like, we have a purpose, you know, a lot of people like spend years trying to find their purpose and Jesus gives it to us right here. Isn't that cool? People spend, uh, people will spend millions of dollars trying to find their purpose in life, trying to find their destiny, but, but God gives it right here. And so, so we learned that at first he said that they might be with him. The key to Christian living is to be intimately close to Jesus. This is the key to Christian living, to be intimately close to Jesus. You see, the first calling that God gave to these apostles was not to go out and preach. That came second. Secondary to the preaching, secondary to the casting out demons, Jesus called these men to be with him, intimately be with him. He he called them to sit at his feet and just listen. Just soak in his presence and glean from everything that this man has to say. It says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. That was the function of these disciples. First and foremost was to be near Jesus and to learn how to be like him. And it says in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Our first and foremost position as Christians is to draw near to Jesus in his word and in prayer. You see, there was one thing. I, 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 I had a lot of stuff to do yesterday. It, it was a busy day and I had a friend come out of town and he just wouldn't leave. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I, I love the dude, but like he, he, he didn't leave till like 1030 at night. Right. And, and I had a sermon to write guys, you know, and, and so I, I, I'm just like, Hey, I, I got to go to work. That's what I said. I said, I got to go to work. 
like like writing a sermon is work. Like I said, I had to go to work, and, and I went. And there's some frustrating things that happened yesterday after I had an awesome time with all my friends. We threw a party for Chris back there. Hey, hey, Chris, happy birthday. We, we, had, we had a party for Chris, and, and, and it was awesome time with friends. And when everyone left, that's, that's when things started to get chaotic with the family, and there was some drama, and, and just stuff happened that, that I wish hadn't had happened. And, and I went to the church. I was here um, from 10.30 to about 3 a.m. last night, and, 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 and I, I was here, and I was just so agitated. And then, I, and then I'm like, all right, let's, let's get this sermon over with. And it says, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. I'm like, dang it, dang it. Jesus smacked me in the head again. He's like, dude, it's not a job. Just be with me. Just be with me. Just, just sit, read my word, put on some worship music, and just chill with me for a second, man. You've been busy all day, and you haven't chilled with me once. Just hang out with me. And that was amazing. I left at 3 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, yeah, Jesus. You know, I'm just like high off the Holy Spirit, you know, getting pulled over. Have you been drinking? No, it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, living water. And so, so, so our first function as disciples is to draw near to God. And then it says that they might be with him and that they might send them out to preach and that they would have power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. Out of that in- intimacy should breed action. Okay, out of the intimacy we have with Jesus should breed action, should breed a reaction rather to how amazing God is. When we learn about the character of Christ, we, we want to emulate that character of Christ and display his attributes to other people. It says in James one twenty two, but don't just listen to God's word. And this is the new living translation. It, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. In 2 Peter uh, 1, verse 5, it says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning you, your faith won't be fruitless. Your, your faith won't be meaningless. If you, if you really go out and you let uh, your love for Christ produce fruit. You know, a lot, a lot of us, sometimes we, we reach ruts in our Christian walk because a lot of the times may, maybe we're intimate with God during church and maybe we're intimate with God during our personal study, but rarely will we go out and, and preach. Rarely will we go out and really perform the mission of God. And, and, and see, this isn't me being legalistic and telling you to go do stuff. This is me telling you, if you want to increase your faith and if you want to experience some blessing in your life, uh, go out and preach to someone. Man, you don't have to be a pastor. Uh, go out and share the gospel with someone. You'll be surprised at how your faith will just build in certain ways. And, and so, and so this, this is the calling that, that Jesus gave the 12. And we're going to learn about the 12. Because some of you here are like, yeah, this is the 12 apostles. The, the, these are the people that built the church, okay? Like, the, these are the mighty men of God. These are the people that built our, our entire religion. These are the people uh, who, who went crazy, and the, these are the people that did crazy things for God, and I can never do these things. I could never do these things. These are the apostles, and we, we hold the apostles, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying we... I'm not, I'm not ragging on the apostles at all. Don't get me wrong. Mighty men of God, they, I, they did way better than I probably could have. However, 
I, I think sometimes we have this we have this image of the apostles where they're all like holy people in rows with long beards and just leaning on Jesus' shoulder and and we, we look at these paintings and we just we, we look at this and that's like not them. Like that's not the apostles. Like the image I I, I want to redefine the image of the apostles in your mind right now. Okay, because many of us think that these these men of God were like forty year old seasoned rabbis. However, most of them were, I'm about to blow some of your minds right now. The apostles ranged from ages 14 to 25. Okay? They were all youths, teenagers. Okay? Yeah, that's, that's dope, right? Like 14 to age 25, I believe Matthew the tax collector was the oldest apostle around 28 or something like that. Nobody's certain. Okay? They, some, some people say that John the apostle was as young as eight when Jesus called him. Eight years old. Like, whoa, my kid's still in diapers at eight. <laughs> oh, you, you weren't like that? Oh, it was just me? Okay, my bad. Now, 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 this impressive group of individuals isn't actually as impressive. And I, I'm doing this to encourage you not to rag on the disciples. We, we, I, I want to make this clear. I want to encourage you and let you know that these men who were dramatically used by God and had one of the most amazing callings and who God entrusted his spirit to, these men were ordinary guys. Nothing is special about them besides the fact that Jesus called them. The most important thing about them, and their only one qualification, was that Jesus called them. We look at Simon Peter, salty middle-class fisherman. Okay? Just salty dude, probably had a, a, a mouth like a sailor, right? It, it, he was loud, emotional, and very bold. This was Peter. Very bold, very emotional, a compelling speaker, natural leader, but bipolar. Okay, this was him. Okay, Peter, Peter was unstable. Okay, and, and we see this when, when Jesus is washing his disciples' feet and Peter's looking at, at, at Jesus wash all these disciples' feet and he's like, this is a test and they're all failing. But wait till Jesus starts, tries to wash my feet and he says, no, Lord, <laughs> you will not wash my feet. And, and, and Jesus is like, Peter, don't make a scene. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a demonstration. It's like a metaphor, dude. And, 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 and Peter's like, no, the Messiah will not wash these feet. And, and, and Jesus is like, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you will have no part of me. Wash my hair, wash my ears, wash my nose, wash my plant. And like, like Peter just immediately just went, went from this to this. It was the same way when he was walking on water. Now, Peter, awesome, walking on water. Only dude to do it besides Jesus. That's a pretty exclusive club. All right? And, and so, so Peter's walking on water. He's like, yeah, Jesus. And then all of a sudden he's like, no way. And he sinks. This is Peter. This is Peter who, who went out on the day of Pentecost and thousands of people came to the Lord. You know, Peter, at one point, you know, Jesus is like, you know, he's like, you are the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus is like, I'm going to name you Peter, the rock, man, you're solid. And, and then like, literally like the next, like, like, like the ne- not even the next chapter, the next passage. Okay. Uh, Jesus is saying, Hey, I'm going to be persecuted. And so are you. And then Peter's like, yo, yo, Jesus, you can't be saying that type of stuff. 
And, and so Peter went from being called rock, like solid guy, to get behind me, Satan. Right? So, so Peter went from being called the rock to Satan. Okay? This is Peter. The, the, and when we think of Peter, we think he's the, he was like the leader of the apostles. Am I, am I wrong? He, you know, I mean, Jesus is obviously the leader of the apostles. But, but, but Peter really took on that mantle of leadership when Jesus left and gave his spirit. Right? And so we think of Peter, just this awesome man of God, but he was a normal guy. He was emotionally unstable and just trying to figure things out. And then we have James and John, the sons of thunder. These were gnarly guys. They were called sons of thunder because the disciples were going into Samaria and, and they wanted a place to stay and a place to eat. And the Samaritans are like, no, no, we, we don't want any part in Jesus. And James and John are like, yo, Jesus, let's bring down balls of fire on this place. <laughs> Let's kill them all. <laughs> Let's burn them. And, it, and, and Jesus is like, yo, we don't do that here. <laughs> like, what are you guys thinking? You know, and, and, and so the James and John called Sons of Thunder because they were just gnarly dudes. You know, they wanted balls of fire to come and smite down everyone who. And there was another person who was, who was healing in Jesus' name. Oh, excuse me. He was healing in Jesus' name. He was healing in Jesus' name. And, and, and James and John, they're like, Yo, dude, you're not part of our club. You can't be healing in Jesus' name. You're not part of our exclusive club. You see this badge? Yeah, we're part of the apostles. See the jackets? You can't, you can't, you can't do that here. And, and Jesus is like, what are you guys doing? I mean, if he's not against us, he's for us. So that's James and John, not to mention their mom was gnarly too. Mrs. Zebedee. Mrs. Zebedee went up to Jesus and said, Jesus, uh, can you put... James on your right and, and John on your left. And Jesus is like, your sons are going to be like dead. <laughs> like, I mean, your sons, don't you realize your sons are going to be martyred for, for their faith? Like, are you willing to drink the cup that, that I'm going to drink? And so that's James and John. And we're, we're going we're gonna to keep going through all the disciples because I want you to get a feel of these guys. I want to kind of eradicate this picture of all these holy men. You know what I mean? They were holy men because Jesus made them holy. Not because of anything they did. They weren't Pharisees. And that's why Jesus chose them. Okay? We have Bartholomew. And when he first heard about Jesus, he's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's what he said. Like, when Bartholomew heard that Jesus of Nazareth was healing all these people, he's like, nope. Nothing good can come out of Nazareth. He was prejudiced. And then we have Matthew, the tax collector. We've learned about Matthew, the tax collector, how, how, how these tax collectors would scam people out of their money. I mean, a betrayer of his people. I mean, he, he, he befriended Roman citizens, and he would take more. And there was a big tax on fish back then. Considering like half of the disciples were fishermen, you imagine how awkward that was when Matthew joined the disciples? Like, uh, my baby didn't get Christmas presents because of you. You're going down. Like, like just, just think about like the awkwardness that was going on, like, just think about that. And so Matthew, the tax collector, then we had Thomas, the skeptic. In John 14, 1 through 6, it says this, let your, not, let your heart not be troubled. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, uh, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know, and everyone, all the disciples are like, wow, so profound. Wow. 
what? <laughs> like, and you guys ever have this? And let's be honest, this is church. Like we can, we can be honest with each other. How many of you, a preacher is speaking and, and, or somebody's teaching you and you just nod your head. You're like, whoa, yeah. But you have no idea what he's saying. Come on. Anybody, any, as anybody, and, and some of you are like, nope, I get everything. Like, like, but, but let's be honest, like sometimes a preacher is speaking or somebody's speaking and you're like, wow. And they're like, hey, does that make sense to you? And you're like, yeah, it makes total sense. And you have no idea what they're saying. You have no, you have not the slightest clue. And so all the disciples, they're listening to what Jesus is saying. They're like, yeah, wow, you're going to come back. You're going into the mansions and what? <laughs> and, and so all the disciples are like, yeah, Peter's like, you see, he gets, you know, you know, Peter, Peter's probably nodding. He's like, yeah, so profound. But in his head, he has no idea. And Thomas, I love Thomas. He's just like, uh, Lord, we don't know where you are going. And how can we know the way? And so, 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 you know, Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going to be going. I'm going to be preparing a place for you. And you know where I'm going. And you know the way to get there. And Thomas is like, nope, <laughs> don't know. <laughs> like, no clue. Will you, how can I know if you don't tell me? And this, and this is because Thomas asked this question, we have the famous verse that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas was a doubter, man. He needed to, he needed everything to be spelt out from some of you are this way. You need everything to be, you need all the details to be there before you make a leap of faith, faith. You need all the details to be there. And you know, Thomas, all the disciples are like, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. You have to come and see this. And Thomas is like, nope. And even when Jesus is there, he's like, nope. <laughs> Not until I could put my finger in his handhole. Will I believe? <laughs> So, so, so he puts it, so, so, you know, he feels Jesus's wounds and he's like, oh, and he bows and he's like, I'm so sorry. But, you know, Thomas need to be convinced. Some of, some of us are the same way. Let's be real. We, we need to be convinced sometimes. And then we have James we don't know much about James. And, and I think that's kind of cool. You know, James is never mentioned. And it, this isn't the guy who wrote the book of James. That was Jesus's brother. But this is the apostle James. We, we know nothing about him. Besides that he was an apostle. Do you know what that tells me? He didn't make many mistakes. He, 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 just, he just served the Lord, you know? He's just just silent servant, you know? He was there casting out demons. He was there preaching, but he just served the Lord silently and happy not to get any credit. I like James. Then we have Thaddeus. In John 14, verse 22, he asked the question, uh, Jesus why us? Like, I'm looking, I'm looking at this group of men that you've called, and uh, we're not that awesome. You know, Thaddeus, he, he, he's, he's saying, uh, Jesus, why us? Why don't you just show yourself to everyone? Well, why do you use us, Jesus? It, it, this is perfect. Thaddeus is like, why do you choose imperfect men like us? Why us? Why don't you just manifest yourself to everyone? Why, why would you use imperfect people like us to preach your gospel? Isn't that, that's so profound. Like, like Thaddeus knew, like, he's like, I'm looking at these group of men and, and we love you, Jesus, but you can do this job way better than we can. Exactly. Exactly. Then we had Simon the Zealot. Now, a lot of us think, yeah, he was zealous for God. He was. But Simon the Zealot, when, when someone was labeled a zealot back, back then, and this is about to blow some of your minds, at least it blowed mine, when I was looking at the history of the disciples, and the apostle uh, Simon, he was Simon the Zealot, and the Zealots were politically active patriots. 
back then. They were, they were Hebrew nationalists. Uh, not Hebrew national, the hot dog. Hebrew nationalists like people. Okay, so they, they were Hebrew nationalists. They hated Romans. They hated Romans so much so that they, they had uh, formed a band called the Dagger Men. Okay, and you can look this in, in, in Hebrew and Roman history, the Dagger Men. Look it up. It's crazy. The Dagger Men uh, would engage in guerrilla warfare with Roman soldiers. You see, when soldiers would do their patrols or do their marches, uh, the Dagger Men would lay in wait and, and kill them. Guerrilla warfare. And uh, they would also assassinate key political leaders in the dead of night, thus getting their names, the dagger men. They would slit their throats in the middle of the night. Simon, he killed people. Simon killed people, or at least he helped others kill people. When we see Simon the Zealot, we, we, just, we, we think that name, oh, he was zealous for God. No, he was a zealot, meaning he was a, he was a radical patriot who assassinated uh, Roman leaders. Simon. A disciple, an apostle called by God, an assassin. Crazy. These are the men that God chose. And then we have Judas. Yep. <laughs> Do I need to say anything about Judas? Do I need to, honestly? No. We, like, like Judas betrayed Jesus? Uh, what else do I want to say? Like, like, and, and do you know what? Here's what I'll say about Judas. Jesus treated him the same. Judas, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him since day one, but he never treated Judas any different. There's difficult people that Jesus put in his life purposefully. And it's those difficult people sometimes that can minister to us the most and that God will use for his glory, ultimately. There's difficult people in our lives. Yes? Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. There's difficult people in our lives. God puts them there purposefully to display his glory and to build us up in a certain way. And so that's enough about the apostles. And, you know, I actually scrounged up an email. It's a cool email. You know, it's between Jesus and the Jordan management consultants. Jesus emailed. Do you know that? Yeah, Jesus was savvy. He was also on Twitter. You can look him up on Facebook, too. It says this. This is from Jordan management consultants. Dear sir, Thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you have picked for managerial positions in your new organization. All of them have now taken our battery of tests, and we have not only run the results through our computer, but also arranged personal interviews for each of them with our psychologist and vocational aptitude consultant. The profiles of all the tests are included, and you will want to study each of them carefully. As part of our service, we make some general comments for your guidance, much as an auditor will include some general statements. This is given as a result of staff consultants and came without any additional fee. It is the staff's opinion that most of your nominees are lacking in background, education, and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you are undertaking. They do not have the team concept and we would recommend that you continue your search for persons of experience and managerial ability and proven capability. You guys can laugh at this. This isn't an actual email written to Jesus. <laughs> Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given to fits of temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities of leadership. The two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, place personal interests above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrates a questionable attitude that would tend to undermine morale. We feel that it is our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. 
James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus uh, definitely have radical leanings, and they both registered a high score of manic depressive scale. One of the candidates, however, shows great potential. He's a man of ability and resourcefulness, meets people well, has a keen business mind, and contacts in high places. He is highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. We recommend Judas Iscariot as your controller and right-hand man. All of the other profiles are self-explanatory. We wish you every success in your new venture. Sincerely, Jordan Management Consultants. You see, Jesus knows what he's doing. And if you look at these 12 men, there's nothing that qualifies them for ministry. What these men did extended all the way to our service this evening. You know that? What these 12 men accomplished in the name of Jesus extends all the way into this Sunday night service in Thousand Oaks, California. Thousands of years ago, what these men did in the name of Jesus, you're saved here. You're here and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ because these men who were totally unqualified stepped out in faith and God used them. God knows who he's choosing, though it may look absurd to us sometimes. God knows the amount of grace he needs to supply to those he has called to. Many of you here are, are discouraged because you're like, well, well, God can't use me. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm, I, I, I have too much time on my hands. I, I have no time on my hands. I, I don't have proper education. I, I never went to Bible college. I never did this, this. I have this past. I, I did this when I was younger. God's grace is sufficient to equip you with whatever you need to accomplish his purposes. He doesn't call the equipped, believe it or not. He doesn't call those who have the perfect resume. He equips those he's called. He chooses the goobers to get his glory. God has equipped the called. He does not call the equipped. Now, who's the called? Us. You, before the foundations of the world, before God made this entire world, he chose you specifically for his glory and to further his kingdom. Isn't that crazy? He knew exactly when you were going to come to Christ. He knew exactly who would be in your life at that moment. He knew exactly how many kids you would have. He knew exactly how many tragedies that were going to occur in your life. And he knows exactly how to use all of that for his glory. He knows exactly how to use all of it as a testimony to lead the next person to Christ. And so that person can take their testimony and then lead the next person to Christ. This is called the Great Commission. Making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Many times we just, we disqualify ourselves. I do this all the time. I will disqualify myself from ministry because I'll have a lack of education, a lack of personal experience. Guys, I'm 19. Why am I here? Like... If there's any, more, most of you here are way more equipped to lead this Bible study than I am. 
You have more life experience. You've known the Lord longer than some of you have known the Lord longer than I've been alive. But God's using me here. Why? Because he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wisdom of the wise. He used all these these 12 men who were completely and totally ill-equipped to to accomplish really anything in and of themselves. He took fishermen, tax collectors, assassins, and he turned them into missionaries. People who were on fire for the Lord and, and, and going nuts for his name. This should encourage all of you. The, the fact that these young guys who, who had no idea what they were doing with the power of Jesus changed an entire world. Literally, an entire world. And I want to leave three things with you, uh, three applications. This, this message is simple. Three applications for those of you who take notes. One, Jesus prayed before he chose his disciples. Make prayerful decisions. Philippians 4, 6, it says, don't worry about anything. And stay, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Make prayerful decisions. Pray about your decisions before you make them. What did the disciples do before the day of Pentecost? Prayed. Jesus is gone. They have no idea what's going on. Uh, Jesus just flew. Like, I didn't even, I didn't know you can do that this entire time. And so they like Jesus leaves and the disciples are all here. What do we do? You see, they've been with Jesus for three years, but they still don't know what to do. They're still confused. They are just as confused as when Jesus called them in the first place. They're left here like, what the heck? Jesus is gone. So what do they do? They go into an upper room and they pray. Hours later, what happens? Tongues of fire ascend from heaven. And thousands of people come to the Lord. Make prayerful decisions. Because here's the thing. We can't do it. Right? We can't. We make prayerful decisions. We, we consult God about every, everything. Because like the disciples, we're, we're goobers. You have to get used to my vernacular. The second point I want to leave you with is obey God. It sounds super simple because it is. Obey God. See, don't talk yourself out of the work of God because you're not sure how he will use you. Okay, never let that disqualify you from doing work for God. Okay, a, a lot of you are like, yeah, I really want to do work for God, but I really have no idea what he wants me to do. And until a voice comes down from heaven telling me exactly what I need to do, I'm kind of just going to sit here and wait. It, it, it's funny because that, that's what we do. A lot of the times we're like, what's my calling? What's my calling? God, just tell me my calling. What's my purpose in life? And it's funny how in Ephesians 5.17, it's one of my favorite verses. I think this is going to be my life verse because I love it so much. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish. Know the will of God. I'm going to tell you right now, it's normal to be like, I, I don't know what God wants me to do. It's normal to not know the exact plans that God has for your life. But I'm going to tell you something, and this should set you free a little bit. God's will is his ways. God's will is his ways. Just obey him. 
He has it all right here. We, what's my purpose in life, Lord? What's my purpose? Lord, what's my purpose? It's right here. Care for the least of these. Preach the gospel. Be with Jesus. Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer. That is where you will find your calling. A lightning bolt is not going to hit you and tell you God's plan for your life. May happen, probably not. A lot of you want specific blueprints. But I love what my dad told me today. He said, God just gives you the next step. He's not going to lay out your entire life for you. You get freaked out. Imagine if the first day that God called Peter, he's going to be like, hey, dude, um, tongues of fire are going to descend from heaven. You're going to speak in tons of different languages. You're going to be sent in prison, and you're going to be crucified upside down. Do you think Peter would have followed Jesus then? No. He would have got freaked out, had a panic attack, and gone fishing. (laughs) Obey God. Just obey him. It'll all fall into place. I promise. His will is his ways. What's God's will for my life? Obey him. Obey him. And then, thirdly and lastly, and then I'll, I'm going to close with this. This is really cool. Just enjoy the diversity in the body of Christ. That's one thing I just want to leave you with. Just enjoy the diversity in the body of Christ. Some of you are like Peter. Some of you are like James and John. Okay, some of you have tendencies to be emotional. Some of you have tendencies to be a little more uh, lacking in emotion. Some of you, uh, you like to you know, dance for Jesus. Some of you like to sing for Jesus. Some of you like to worship in this way. Some of you like to worship in, everyone's different. Do it all for the glory of God. Enjoy the diversity in the body of Christ. Don't let anyone vanilla you out. You know what I mean? A lot of people try to tell you, this is the Christian. You got to be exactly like this person. No, you got to be like Jesus. Okay. You gotta be like Jesus. He's the standard. Don't look at any specific person and be like, that's the Christian. Okay? We're all different. Enjoy the diversity in the body of Christ. Be who you are for the glory of God. A lot of you are unique. A lot of you have different skill sets. Be who you are. Do what you do for the glory of God and for his mission. Some of you are like Peter. Other of you are quiet like James. And then some of you are zealots, you're patriots. Do it all for the glory of God, man. Be unique. Be unique for Jesus. Does that make sense? So I'm asking the worship team to come up, and I just I I want to I want to encourage you tonight to pray about your decisions. Because the disciples had no idea what they're doing. Do you have any idea what you're doing in this grand scheme, like this cosmic plan that God has? No. But, but, but God will give you each and every specific step as he wants. Obey God. He puts his will above his way. Like his, his, his will is his ways. Know the will of God. Everything else will fall into place. And then enjoy the diversity and the body of Christ. Enjoy the different personalities of people. There are tons of different personalities among the disciples. No? But what kept them all unified was Jesus. And so now, as we worship tonight with songs of worship, and this is what I love. I love tying things into worship, okay? This is what I love. All of us together, different voices, all come up as one voice, as one body of Christ, as one bride of Christ. We all think of yourselves as all one mouth declaring the glory of God tonight.
all of you, your, your unique pasts and your unique presence, all of it's going to fit together into a beautiful song for the Lord tonight. And as a part of your act of worship, we do communion. You don't have to. If you don't feel like you don't have to, but, but we're remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross and how he proposed to us with his covenant and said, I'm going to spill my blood so that you may be my bride. Remember me when you take this. And remember this, guys. Remember that you are called because Jesus called you. Right? Before the foundations of the world, he chose you. He wanted you. He wants you tonight. Jesus chose you, and some of you are like, ah, I'm, too, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm, I'm too unstable, I'm too emotional. I have too hard of a pass. You don't know what I've done. Jesus doesn't know what I've done. Yes, he does, and he died for you anyways. He wants you because he loves you, and he loves you because he wants you. And so we're going to take communion, we're going to worship, and we're just going to enjoy God's presence tonight, and we're going to celebrate what he's done for us. Amen? Lord, we love you, and I pray that these people would, would pray and worship you tonight with, with uh, just unshackled and not burdened by anything. Lord, I pray that you would, you would relieve, relieve us of legalism tonight, Lord, that we don't perform. Lord, we, we don't do anything to gain your approval, Lord, but you have called us just because you love us. And so, Lord, bless these people tonight as they bless you with their voices and raising up hands and remembering you and praying to you tonight. We love you, Jesus, and it is in your holy name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.